Welcome to Epiphany with Tiffany, a podcast that explores the deeper meaning behind the clothes you wear and items you own and how to work with the energy of the cosmos to make powerful shifts in your life, home, and wardrobe. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm a holistic life and style coach and personal stylist with a deep love for fashion and a firm believer of the life-changing power of energetics. Tune in each week for an illuminating discussion designed to shift your frequency and connect your environment to your soul. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Epiphany with Tiffany podcast. Today, I'm super pumped to have on best-selling author and mental fitness strategist and practitioner, Mark Champagne. Mark unpacks the mental fitness practices and reflective questions shaping the lives of some of the most successful and brilliant thinkers in the world. He is the author of Personal Socrates, a best-selling book that explores the pointed questions that really stimulate our mental fitness and teach us how to better direct our internal narrative so that the way we are dancing through the world, living our lives is more aligned to who we are. And the questions really work for us instead of against us. Mark studies the prompts and practices of legends such as Kobe Bryant, Maya Angelou, Robin Williams, James Clear, Coco Chanel, and many, many more. They are profiled not only in personal Socrates, but also he extends to profiling guests on his incredible podcast, Behind the Human Podcast. He is such a gem to have interviewed on the show. I first met him through a mastermind group call I had with my production team, Soulfire. We have these monthly calls where they bring on a guest to just inspire us as we are in our podcasting um, practices. And they brought Mark on recently, and I left his uh, chat with us feeling so inspired, just the way in which he organizes his life, the way he utilizes moments in his day to bring mindfulness to his routine, to slow down, really not be so much on autopilot, which is becoming harder and harder to do as we are living in this modern world. He really teaches a lot of tips and tricks to help you slow down, pause, reflect, and pick up on the little voices within you and around you that can help you make shifts in your life and get you more aligned to living a life that feels better for you. So having him on the podcast to really unpack all of that, we talk about his book, what that process was like, some of the questions he asks himself in his own life, what really inspired the work that he does, and What are some questions that all of us can start thinking about today to start thinking about shifts that we might want to make? And I will say that if you are interested in reading Mark's book or or starting this practice yourself through a journaling exercise or or meditative walk where you're asking yourself questions, uh, you might get triggered. You might get uncomfortable at first keep going. I think, uh, you know, when we start getting curious about ourselves, how we're wired, what we're, why we're doing the things we're doing, what we're doing, what we might want to change, it can feel a bit overwhelming and uncomfortable at first, but if you stick with it and really just let the feelings come out, it starts to become more manageable and you can really think about really small ways and shifts that you can make that really lead up to the larger goal. So I really invite you to sit back, enjoy this chat, and perhaps write down some of the questions that Mark and I talk about throughout the interview, especially towards the end. What are some of his favorite questions to get started with a practice like this? So without further ado, I'm going to bring Mark on and Please follow him in the show notes for links to his website, social media, and his podcast. And I can't recommend 
connecting with Mark enough. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mark. And now on to the interview. Yes, Tiffany. Mark Champagne, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm 100%. How are you? 100%. That's good. I'm impressed. Uh, well, if I'm not, I'll at least will, my, will myself up to it, right? Yes. I like to rate myself on a scale 1 to 10 on my morning walk. And this morning Ooh. I was like, I am a 7, which is decent for me. Yeah, that's not bad. And I was thinking about our interview this morning. And I was like, I hope by the end of my chat with Mark, because I was really looking forward to it, I'll bump up to an eight, 8.5. So let's see how it goes. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I'm behind the mic, whether it's me interviewing someone or doing exactly what we're about to do, it's almost nearly impossible not to leave in some sort of flow state. So I hope I can bring you there along the ride. With me, I should say. Yes, let's let's travel this together. Um, I really like to start my podcast with my listeners being able to get to know you a little bit. Sure. And typically I start with what's your big three in astrology, and perhaps we can get into that. But because you're my guest today, and from what I learned from you when when we um when you spoke on the mastermind class I was a part of with my production company, Soulfire. I would love to ask you your favorite question that you ask guests and put the lens on you and start by asking, who are you? Tricky move, Tiffany. I like it though. Who am I? Well, who I am today, because I, I do think with that question, you know, as life evolves, so do we. And and there's obviously consistencies with, uh, you know, our characteristics and what we stand for and whatnot, but it evolves over time. Um, so right now I would say I'm just, I'm a highly curious human that really, I mean, links really well to how we started our conversation, but really like I do everything possible to make sure that myself and people on the other side are happy and feel good. And if we're working on something that we're having a good time and trying not to take myself too seriously and forget all of the beautiful moments or not see or experience the beautiful moments that happen with really everything that we do. I love that. And I love that you lead your answer with curiosity because curiosity from what I can see of my experience of you is like your whole vibe, your whole energy. And, and I'm yeah. all about um, studying the energetics of, of people as well, but more feeling into how their unique cosmic energies, how their style energies are all expressions of their true essence. And so I love that you approach your day through a lens of that curiosity. But then I also like that you bridge it to building happiness in your life for yourself and touching the lives of others through that. I think that's a really um, positive way to live a life. <laughs> I'm doing really, my best. I really uh, admire that. Do you happen to know your big three in astrology, your sun, moon, and rising? Because I do feel like for me, that's how I can really understand you on a different level as well. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I may if you give me more uh, context on those big three. I mean, I'm Taurus. I know that. Taurus um, sun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we can peek at your birth chart later. Let's um, do it. I Absolutely. have to know your birth time and then we can, we can find out what your, your moon and rising is. And I think Amazing. that, um, based on what I do know about you, your Taurus sun, that is interesting because I, Taurus is ruled by Venus, which is the planet of fashion. And one of the things that I really noticed about you was that you have a really cool style edge. And okay. because, because <laughs> I'm a stylist, I really yeah. pick up on that kind of thing. And I noticed your glasses and your hair as like, just being really, um, distinguishable. And for Taurus, it's like drawing upwards to the head. So it, it totally sure. makes sense that you're a Taurus sun. I love it. Well, I mean, I, I I was born into, I guess, the hair because it's uh, many people think I dye my hair, which I don't. And yeah. this is something that uh, what is, I want to say in high school years that started to, to happen. And now 
And for the longest time, I said, yeah, it was just kind of like salt and pepper, but it's definitely more salt than pepper at this point. Um, and then, yeah, like everything else, I, I don't know. I just, again, for me, for me, the glasses, just like I like putting them on and they're a bit unique. They're a bit different. And it just serves as a reminder for myself personally to just look at things in a different light or in a different, from a different angle, a different way. I, um, I spent a lot of time uh, around the university years and, and I still do in photography as a, as a passion kind of project and, and something that lit me up and something that gave me, and it fuels a lot of my work around curiosity and mental fitness and so forth is just this beautiful gift of seeing the photo and the sun coming in or the composition or unique angle and whatnot. So like, I just try to do everything possible to, give these little reminders or triggers to slow down because if we don't slow down i mean we get sucked into the autopilot of life and society and everything that's moving so fast and all the content that's being thrown at us that we miss things including the signs that we're being you know given so clearly when we do slow down and see ah that's the path i need to take or you know you get sparked with some inspiration for something that you would have maybe just walked right past I completely agree. It took me such a long time to figure that out in my own life. And it was through when I walked towards my spirituality path, when the real process of slowing down started coming in, I had been dabbling in yoga. I started my meditation practice and those were all getting me to the next level of slowing down. But then with yeah. the spirituality piece on top of that, then I was noticing the signs and the gentle nudges and whispers. And when I first started slowing down, and I'm curious about your take on this, I um, felt really triggered in the beginning. It was really uncomfortable. It was almost like I had had years and decades of repressed stuff that was bubbling yeah. up and it was so overwhelming in the beginning and so much to unpack and, and figure out all of these pent up feelings. What, what was that like for you? Like, did you have a period in your life where maybe you were moving faster or not as in tune with yourself? And then, you know, when you started doing the work with your mental fitness practices of slowing down and being more mindful of what comes up, what was that like for you? Was it uncomfortable? Yeah, I experienced something very similar because I I was coming out of about a 10-year corporate career in, in brand and product management and, and left all of that to start, uh, at the time, one of the first guided uh, journaling apps out there. And I always had the practices that, you know, were helping me throughout the day and be a little bit more reflective in my, in my personal life and career, but I was never like full on into the practices, let's just say you know, and that's what obviously starting the company. And then I started my podcast and, you know, just bringing in all of these different people's people and uh, experts to talk about mental fitness and so forth. So, you know, by default, I was exposed to a lot of different things. And all of a sudden, you know, I was practicing, um, you know, some of these, these techniques and whatnot. And exactly what you said, all of a sudden, it was like a wave of like, blocked stuff just started coming up and i remember thinking i'm like am i am i an anxious person or am i all of a sudden <laughs> depressed as well or is it just like i'm i'm i've slowed down enough and have now the tools to let some of that pressure out and that's what's happening and i you know after some journaling and whatnot i, I came to that conclusion that you know that's what was happening is that all of a sudden the tools were were unlocking uh, things that were always there. And now I had to, to you know, process that stuff. But to, I guess to your point, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And it shocked me actually, because I, I really didn't, because it wasn't linked to an event. Later on when that company exploded in, in a good way, then a bad way, and I had to shut it down. I mean, there was a reason for a lot of those things coming up. Before that, it was just out of the blue, like, what's happening here? I, I don't really understand. So, I mean, thankfully, though, you know, when you have those practices, and for me, uh, I often default to journaling, 
um, to help process what's coming up, then you can start seeing, okay, like that's where it's coming from or flip into some gratitude practices to help shift your mind into a more thriving kind of positive state and, and to continue on. So you don't loop into, uh, into a depression essentially. Right. Or you don't like future think yourself into anxiety loops. It's just how do you again, come to the present moment? Yes. Yes. I think that's the key because it's, it's like a wave, but it's like a tsunami at first. But then hopefully if you are yeah. grounding into a daily practice of it over time, the tsunami and pressure of it kind of starts feeling like this gentle, um, like crest of a wave and it slowly goes out and you're like, okay, I'm ready for these moments of discomfort, but letting them kind of float in and flow out rather than like take over. Because I completely agree with you. When I first started, I was just like, there's so much stuff I don't want to deal with here. And I'm so overwhelmed that I just started like bawling. There was like a lot of emotional release for me that, that came through, journaling, but I am such a huge fan of journaling. It's been, um, probably one of the most valuable tools I've found in the past couple of years. I would be curious how your journaling practice looks. What do you have a format that you follow day to day? And, and how do you know when you're really, um, finding the answers through your journaling? Yeah. So journaling has, journaling has been my personal coach for at least 12 or 13 years now at this point. And uh, when I started it, it was very much, and it still is, very much guided by just powerful questions. And, and that's what led to the whole idea of creating this guided journaling app that was led by questions, because at that time, there just wasn't really anything that was available in that sense. And I find what what happens when you have quality questions and and just to define a quality question has really nothing to do with the actual question itself it has everything to do with the timing and relevance of the question so when you find those questions and you can slow down you know long enough to surface them then all of a sudden your question gives you the the pause and the opportunity to shift right and to respond instead of react to really any situation so i've always i've always journaled in the morning but it's expanded because my definition of journaling also has expanded as I've been, you know, working in the space now for, for quite some time. And journaling, if you can if you can kind of put aside the typical pen to paper, you know, description of what most see journaling as and just kind of dial it back to the practice itself is just reflection then all of a sudden you open up a whole other set of opportunities to actually dive into the practice. You can be, take a walk and leave yourself an audio note. You could um, do a video call of some sort with a friend and you're, you know, you're going back and forth with, uh, with reflections and so forth. Obviously, pen to the paper is, is another one. This morning alone, I just tried something that was a bit new. I had these, uh, I have a, my desk has a glass top on it and I had these erasable markers. And right now at the very, very beside my laptop, I just have wins for the day. And as things were happening this morning, I was jotting those down. And the idea is that, I mean, I knew normally journal at the end of the day before I go to sleep to just kind of recap, but I found just even doing this right now, I'm, I'm on that high all day because I can see that this is right there and I'm I'm documenting them. So tonight I'm going to go back and I've got it all there and I can reflect a little bit, uh, a little bit more deeply on the wins of the day and see also, you know, some of the lessons and so forth. So I think, you know, the, the key is, is to find the time of day and to look at your, your current rituals and routines and see where you can stack on your journaling. So it's not this thing where you have to get up an extra hour early or you have to carve time out of your day uh, to do it, but more so integrate the practice, right? And that could just be one question, your coffee, your tea brewing in the morning, and it's just, how do I feel today? Where do I feel that in my body? How do I want to show up today? That takes less than a minute, but just by starting your day with some intentional questions like that, you've already won so much. And speaking of astrology, like I love the, I love tapping into the different, I don't know as obviously as much as, as you, I mean, I've, the, I've interviewed Jill Winterstein from uh, Spirit Daughter before oh, and nice. she's in, in my book. 
Yeah, and she's in my book. And uh, what I talk about uh, with her work and in the book, and I'm very upfront, and so I want to learn more about it. But I said, there's no downside. Like, if you're going to journal, why not tap into higher energy to get even more out of the practice? And at the very least, even if you don't believe in any of that stuff, it's a great, you know, it's a great invitation to reflect on some really powerful prompts that are being circulated all over the place based on moon cycles and so forth. Oh yeah. And the current transits and aspects. I mean, my, the astrologer, so that I've, I've been working with Scott Tajarian, he's been on my podcast a couple of times. He's great at asking questions that are in theme with the current planets, um, transits and aspects. And for me, what I do when I journal, I, I like your um, point around stacking it. So it's integrated into an ongoing routine, but journaling is like one of one part of my morning routine while I'm drinking my coffee. I check my time passages astrology app. I see what I'm working with personally and overall in the sky. And that kind of helps guide what's on my mind as well as yeah. like, what's the day ahead for me looking like. Um, so I feel like there, there can be helpful, um, other frameworks that you can pull into your journaling practice to, if you're looking for good questions, if you're looking for things to noodle on, um, those are good places to start. Um, I love your book actually for that because your book, personal Socrates, it, the way it's broken up, I have it here. I'm like flipping through it because I actually haven't read the whole thing yet because when I started reading it. I quickly realized this is a valuable journaling tool where each morning I can read a chapter, get into the energy of the person that you're profiling and ask myself the questions that they've been asking themselves or that you think that they would be asking themselves and spend time with the questions rather than try and read through and have so many questions where I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. And I find that that's been so helpful for me. It's going to take me a minute to get through the book that way. But I I think that that's allowing my brain to really slow down and soak the info. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, so first of all, thank you for the kind words about the book. And secondly, just it, it really fills my heart because that's how you're using the book is how uh, at least I intended for for people to use or how it was written. Uh, even though, I mean, I'm, I've been just so uh, grateful and shocked at all of these crazy different use cases about how people are using it either in relationship or some people learning how to speak English. There's all these different. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's like once you release a book out into the world, it's no longer yours. The universe has it. Um, yes. But with that being said, when I released it, my intention was uh, for people to use it exactly how you're, how you've been consuming it because. Oh, that's good to hear. Wait, yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing is for me is that as you're probably noticing, the chapters are short and they're anywhere from five to 10 minutes long max. So they're designed to either help people start a mental fitness practice or a morning practice and start the day off with some good reflection. Or if you already have things in place, then you can upgrade along the way and just, again, just subtly shift your thinking with some different perspective and different prompts. Yes, exactly. And in bite-sized chunks. So your brain can really process each of the questions. You know, you have such a incredibly powerful collection of legends that you've profiled in this book, some who um, are from past, you know, time on this earth, and then some who are still with us. How did you um, figure out the collection of humans you wanted to profile? And what was the process like of, you know, researching each person? Did you interview some in person? Like, how did that all look? Yeah, well, those are great questions. And it it was... It was challenging. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it because, I mean, anyone that's still alive today that's in the book I've interviewed and, and that was, you know, that wasn't a requirement from the publisher or anything like that. It was just, I felt like, um, you know, that, that felt right to me, let's just say, but anyone that isn't, and so Picasso, Maya Angelou, Robin Williams, uh, obviously I had to do the, the research uh, on, on those people to then come up with the chapters, which then made it very different in the in the sense of how to write those profiles. So if you take someone like 
uh, James Clear, a uh, pretty popular author. He's got one of the, the most, uh, I think, purchased nonfiction books of, of, of the year right now, Atomic Habits. And I interviewed him. I went back to our interview, obviously, you know, did a deep dive on what we talked about, but then really dove into his work as well and started to pull the questions that either he had left in uh, our interview or through his work or that were inspired by the work. And I was coming up with the prompts. And in that case, you know, for him, it was uh, everything to do with our habits and systems and whether they're supporting the person that we're striving to, to become or actually pushing us farther away. So that, w- the, the, that was the reflective, uh, the big reflective moment in, in that chapter of profile. The others were really tough because how do you do justice to someone like Maya Angelou or Jane Austen, right? Or Coco I mean, Chanel. The pressure that I w- was thinking that as I'm like, yeah, the pressure I would put on myself if I was profiling these iconic people. It, it was tough. And this is where I have to give my editor all the credit because I remember calling her and I said, Chantel, I feel like that that exact question. How can I do justice to these people when they've done so much? And my objective is to write a very snappy, short profile with impactful prompts to help people on the other side. And she just said, just remember, you're not writing a biography on these subjects. That for the most part, those exist. Your job is to take a slightly different angle and use their their work and their personality to inspire some reflective prompts to help people that would understand who these people are, but then again, provide a little bit of a different angle and provide these opportunities to pause and then almost look at our life through the mirror of a Picasso or a Jane Austen. And that just, I mean, speaking of mental fitness, like that just released so much pressure off of the whole, the whole process. And then it became really fun because even Picasso, I mean, a lot of these profiles, uh, Coco Chanel was another one, given obviously your link to, to, to fashion. I mean, I was going through the reflection while I was writing the, writing the chapters. So I was living and breathing what everyone's experiencing now on the other side, reading it for themselves as well. And it was just, it was fun because insights were unpacking. I knew what was working, what wasn't working. So I shifted up and so forth. And it was just like, I wouldn't normally profile someone like a a Coco Chanel. I mean, I know of her and the brand, obviously like everyone else in the world, but to go at it from a mental fitness perspective and really look at Coco and the presence she left behind, you know, her as a personality, but then obviously her and the brand Chanel that is legendary right like from a from a from a senses perspective from the name from the branding everything so you know just to give listeners a bit of a taste the idea of that chapter is then well how could how how can you enter a room and and leave it and become irreplaceable right like what presence are you leaving behind when you're in conversation with someone or in a meeting or whatever it is. And again, just borrow some of that inspiration from Coco Chanel to better yourself. I I think that's so, such an interesting way to do it. And I, I love the angle of it because what I'm hearing from that is you're basically trying to get into the energy of the person. And Absolutely. if they yeah. had, if they're not with us to tell us what questions they would ask, it's like, if you can feel completely into their essence and just sit in that space for a while, what are the questions that bubble up? And, and I wonder if you actually had profiled Coco Chanel, what questions she would have brought to the table? And if, did she even realize how much of a mark that she left? But regardless, I feel like it's, you're really, um, like shape-shifting into different energies of people past and present. And that is just, that's an incredibly unique way to really get into the mindset of the person and embody that and then translate it in a book form. I think that's just so cool and unique. Well, thank, I mean, I've never heard anyone describe the process like that, but it resonates the most because, Ooh. and I'll, I'll share why, because I was not 
it was really hard to put timelines on the chapters for my editor or publisher because I, there was something energetically that had to feel like I had enough background information to then spark my own creativity to then start to write and come up with a flow of questions. Because it wasn't just one question. It would be, again, that's why it's called personal Socrates, but it would be a flow of questions following a Socratic method. Um, and some of the some of the chapters I had to stop. You know, Robin Williams was one of them. I just, I, I wasn't there yet, and it, it required a bit of space and time. So then I would go typically to someone I had, interviewed in person and I knew that would be would be a little bit easier because I had a little bit more insight to you know who that person was in their work and then come back to it but it it, it was really it was really an intuitive feel to know okay now now's the time to actually go and outline the chapter and then then start writing the whole process I think that's also a good way to approach this question asking process in general. If you are at a point in your life where you're ready to get more curious and ask yourself these questions and, and practice your mental fitness, you don't have to, the questions that are feeling really, really hard to answer, just work around it to begin with. Answer the ones that you do know the answers to and that you can yeah. answer pretty easily and quickly. And then once you build up that stamina, then you can hopefully go back to the ones that were feeling really niggly and like get in there. And it feels like it's easier to unpack at that point. Totally. And the other thing I'd add to that is that whenever you're doing any kind of reflection or journaling is, you know, if, if you're faced with some big questions where, you know, um, they're going to bring up some emotion or they're a little bit more challenging to answer, you know, go, go down the road, but always finish with gratitude and always leave your mind in that, you know, energized and positive state. You know, even if it's just a quick question of, you know, what was the best thing that happened today or who can I celebrate in my life right now? Who would I love to give credit or thanks to that I haven't in the last little while? Just one question like that or a text to a friend or a family member or whoever I mean, completely shifts your mind into a different state and then also makes it, you know, easier for you, for you to then come back and continue the process because you're not leaving on this, 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 uh, emotional state where like, wow, that was really hard or I surfaced some stuff that was painful, right? Which is important. Like we have to do that because if we don't to what you and I experience as soon as you do unlock that, like, wow, you just get, you get hit by the wave, right? Versus what I would say now, I, I feel like I'm more so, oh, there's the wave, I'm going to ride it. And I'm, I'm one with the wave type thing. And like, okay, I can process this. You're here, but I know you're impermanent. Like this wave is going to end. And that it makes all the difference. Yeah, it builds resilience and the gratitude is keeping it um, so that it's a practice that you'll want to come back to instead of like, yeah. oh, I'm always triggered when I do this. So I'm not, of course you wouldn't want to go back to it. My afternoon slump has been elevated thanks to the Serenity Gummies by Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is a premium provider of cannabinoid, functional mushroom, and adaptogen products designed to help you feel your best and just elevate the human experience. Their product line features organic and really clean ingredients, which matters so much to me. What we put in our bodies really does make a difference in how our body performs for us. And I love that all of their products are organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, and made right here in the USA. The Serenity Gummies are the newest product I've tried. I feel like the gummies have just the right level of sweetness. They're not too sweet. They definitely taste like they contain cannabinoid ingredients in them, but either side of it's not too, too overpowering. So they're not too earthy and they're definitely not too sweet, which is the perfect blend for me. Uh, the ingredients are super clean and the gummies contain L-theanine, reishi extract, cannabinoid CBD, full spectrum hemp extract, ashwagandha, and a microdose level of THC. The amount of THC in the gummies was a concern for me. I didn't want to feel like I was getting 
too dosed out, too high, and that is definitely not what happens when I take these gummies. I pop two in my mouth in the afternoon, and I notice within about 45 minutes just a really nice, steady, calming effect on my nervous system, feel more relaxed, kind of the afternoon anxieties of, oh, I didn't get enough stuff done today, or I still have this lingering over my head, just kind of melt away a little bit. I feel more in my body. I feel like I can start winding down my day, but you're not feeling overly tired or out of it or high where you just like can't function, can't get on with your day at the same time. So it really is just that nice, slow, steady, mellow dose of calm. If you want to try their products, you can get 10% off your first order with coupon code epiphany at checkout. So head over to curednutrition.com and enter epiphany for 10% off your first order. That's E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y for 10% off all regular priced items over at Cured. I think the gummies and the elixirs should be the first two items that go in your cart. And I hope you will go to their website, curednutrition.com and explore their line of elevated products. When it comes to like okay, we've gotten some good questions identified. We've been answering some of the good questions. Now what? Like sometimes when we find out the answer or the answer comes to us, it requires action being taken to shift something major in our lives or something small. What have you heard feedback wise from maybe people who've read your book or just in your own personal life when you started this practice? Um, what the action part of the process became after you asked the question. Yeah, no, it's a great, a great observation and, and question. Because I mean, we, I'm, I'm glad you spent time first. Basically, we've been dancing around the idea of just getting clear, right? And making sure we're asking questions to understand uh, at a, in its simplest form, like who are we today and who are we striving to become? If we can answer those questions, usually there's a gap because we're all trying to develop or we're all on our own track you know, the self-discovery, whatever you want to call it. And it's, it's that gap that then we have to make some intentional decisions or some first steps to get there. Right. So that's when, I mean, ironically I brought up James Clear, but that's where, you know, some of his work is really helpful because you can take a look and do a bit of an audit of your days and your habits and your rituals and your routine, the meetings that you're having, the conversations you're booking, like what are you doing from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep? Is that, are those things supporting the, the, the person that you're trying to become and the life that you're designing? Right. Cause that's, it, it's fun to obviously, you know, paint the picture and design the life of your dreams, but it's, it, it does take work, you know, it does take these micro steps and we, and it's so important to celebrate those little micro wins as we continue to get there. Right. So the key, I think for, for, you know, for the action piece is just to make sure, you know, don't short circuit the process of not getting clear first. Because that, I mean, that's what was happening when when chapters in the book weren't going well. I didn't spend enough time getting clear in the research before I outlined and started to write. So once you do that, then all of a sudden, you know, then it becomes obvious, right? As you say, okay, well, this is the this is the one step I can take today towards the outcome that I, I desire. And the, you know, those things compound; they add up, and then all of a sudden, um, opportunity sparks right? Like the right conversation, you know, shows up or the right email comes in or or back to what we were talking about before. Like you see the signs because you're clear and you're intentional on that path. Yes. And, and I think that a way to, to take the action is to look at it through the lens of experimentation, because I think sometimes when you get clarity, you're actually kind of questioning the clarity. You're like, is this, is this answer right? You're almost questioning the, the, the clarity you got from the original question. Yeah. It kind of requires a little bit of like, does this feel, let's try it on for size. Does this still feel like what I think it's feeling like when I write it out and when I really noodle on it and, and that experimentation process. And then typically what I've experienced, what happens is as we're shifting 
these little things in our routine and our day and, and how we're approaching things, the universe picks up on that. And then it starts sending us things to see if we can really feel into the energy. And for me, dating is a great example of this because I'm, I'm currently dating and every single date I go on, I'm refining my list I have for qualities I'm looking for in a partnership. Sure. And when I come back from a date, if it was a one and done kind of a date, even if it was a perfectly good date, I take note of what I felt into that, that worked, what didn't, what I am still looking for that it didn't, you know, meet what I was hoping for. And then I'm trying it on a slightly different way when I approach the next date. And it's almost like every time I do that, I feel like the universe sends me the next quality of guy or, or, or person that needs sure. that, that revised list. It's actually pretty fascinating how that works. Well, it's the, that's a th- like what you're doing is, is, leveraging the power of, of check-ins, right? You know, you, yes. you got, you, you obviously took some time before to get clear on what you wanted. And then as you're going through the process, that's evolving. But what most people don't do is they don't take the time to check in with themselves. Like what's in check right now? What feels good? What feels off? You know, what surprised me about whatever situation or that date or this project and, you know, just noticing the subtleties because then you can you can continue to course correct as you go as you're experiencing right but we don't i'd say the majority of the population and i don't blame i was in this in the same boat because you have to be so intentional with these practices and and set reminders everywhere it's the reason i wear these bracelets the reminders to pause and there's one that i got in japan reminds it slow down take it easy there's another one here that reminds me of there's always going to be a high there's always going to be a low and just i'm always whenever i look down i'm I'm reminded of this because it's so easy to fall on the autopilot of just life and society and then all of a sudden those check-ins don't happen and next thing you know you're way off course it's like you've you completely climbed the wrong mountain Right. Totally. And you've got to figure out, oh, well, it's over there and I've got to swing over and, you know, I, I don't want to say restart, but definitely, you know, you've got an uphill battle. So if we can just micro pause and check in on a consistent basis, which whether it's journaling or any of these mental fitness practices like meditation, breath work, long mindful walks, like they just allow our mind to sit and breathe a bit. And then all of a sudden we, you know, we can feel what's working, what's not working. Yes. And, and the, the little shifts are so much more attainable and feel less burdensome than making a huge change in your life that is like glaring. And you're like, why did I sit on this for 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm curious, you know, I know you like journaling and, and meditative walks and things like that. I am curious if you have any unusual mental fitness practices that, (laughs) that people don't know about, or that you're kind of like, this is something that I do. I don't know if anyone else would get value out of it. I'm curious if there's any unusual things that you do to integrate this practice. That's such a good question. I mean, you could ask my wife, there's probably a lot of unusual things that, that I do. Yeah. She, she definitely could tune in there. Um, I think I'm trying to integrate different activities and whatnot that light me up and integrate that into a mental fitness flow of some capacity. So um, I just started probably for, it's been two seasons now, started snowboarding uh, where I live. And especially when I was writing the book, so maybe it's been three years, uh, writing the book, I was doing everything possible to take some time midday or around lunch if it's possible to shift my schedule around and just even go snowboard for an hour or so because i knew that that would put me first of all you know physical activity that that sparks a lot of endorphins and so forth and gets you going but it also for me that puts me in a mental flow state and there's some good science um to show that when you 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 put yourself into those states of mind the creativity output can last up to, I think, three days after you actually do the the event. So for me, for writing, uh, it was super uh, impactful and really helped me get going. Um, but I, I, I never made those those links. You know, I would just think, okay, this morning I'm going to get up. I've got a regular routine. I'm going to try these different things. Um, but today now I'm going to try something like different sports that, that light me up. The mindful walks were another thing was just 
you know, after lunch, just taking 10 minutes. It's good, first of all, to move your body after you eat. It's helpful from a glucose standpoint and so forth. But also, it's just a nice mental reset if you're going without headphones and not, you know, no against not, nothing against podcasts, giving you and I are in the space, but, <laughs> right. you know, don't, you know, give your mind a bit of a break. Like you don't always have to be learning or consuming something. Right. Oh, that's been a key for me. Cause I'm like a total podcast junkie. And, and even this morning there was like that inclination on my walk to turn the podcast on, but it becomes this almost autopilot thing. And I do love to learn, but at the same time, if it's becoming, so habitual that you're not even tuning in with yourself, then that's obviously not helpful. So mindfully taking it out at the first couple of minutes of the walk, I'm like craving it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, but what about these beautiful trees? I hadn't noticed because I'm not like, so in my head. And, and so I love the taking those moments of, of just pure presence. Um, and I also, I thought, um, was interesting about your share just now is like the challenging, of a sports that you try, or I think any type of practice, like I was reading something the other day of like, you know, if you're always, um, pouring your coffee with your left hand, pour it with your right hand, like those little, like ways we can mentally challenge our brains, um, our physical bodies, whatever it is that can actually open up things that I think, um, aren't typically accessible because we're, we're opening up neuro pathways in our brain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I do with that is just um, when I notice myself following into a very consistent morning pattern where typically the first thing I do when I get up is to take a big glass of water. Then I do a round of breath work. Um, but I've, I've been trying to like, well, maybe I'll do a bit of reading before that, do the breath work after or I'll exercise right away. Then I'll do some breath work. And to your point, just shifting things up right like it it, again for me it all comes back down to not falling into this autopilot kind of track right so that you can train your mind to be comfortable in different sequences um the the other thing that comes to mind and i didn't bring it up because i i shared it with you in the group when we we had our call but one of the things that's probably been the most helpful in terms of training my mind to be more in the moment and be able to answer you know, tough questions is when I'm listening to podcasts in the car, I'll pause the the show. And when the host asks a really interesting question, I'll answer it as if I'm on the show. And it's, I mean, it definitely looks a bit odd. Um, if, if you see this happening, <laughs> I guess you don't know from the outside what's going on. It could be, it could just be me on a phone call or something, but I know what's happening. Like I've literally just paused the podcast and, essentially role playing that I'm on that show. Um, and it's been really helpful because whether it's, you know, coming on a show like this or working with teams and, and training them to be mentally fit, it just helps craft, you know, okay, well, what is it that I do? And like, what's some of my story? And it helps craft and find the right language to tell that story. I love that so much. That's like actually a super hot takeaway tip for me because so often we're listening to the interview questions and we're like, wow, that, you know, we're just so curious to hear how the interviewer is going to answer it. But when we can actually put the lens back on ourselves and, and really take those moments to understand ourselves inside and out, all kinds of different angles to ask a question, it can really help us just be show up better in our lives, like with a more understanding of ourselves, which is going to help others understand who we are and, and how we show up. So I think that's a yeah. really cool takeaway. I'm going to start, um, trying to do that too. I think you have so many good tips. I like to, I like to take pages from your playbook. Um, I'm curious because you do work with so many, um, people that are doing really huge things in their businesses and their brands and their lives, and they're, they're changing lives of others. What is it like to work with them one-on-one? I know you do mentoring and do you, what does it look like? Are you meeting with them once a week, once a month? Are you giving them pep talks? Are you asking them questions? Like how does your work translate in a one-on-one setting? Yeah, well, it's definitely, it's definitely based on questions and essentially mirroring back what's, what's happening. Right. Cause it, it, what's fascinating, even, even going back to that podcast example, when you answer those questions and you pause the show, it, it also gives you a boost of confidence to know, they're not that much different than you and I. I mean, we all have our own stories and our own paths. And when you start answering the questions, be like, yeah, that's pretty, I've got a pretty interesting story to, to answer that one. And 
I've realized that as well. You know, whether you're working with like a billionaire or a millionaire or these like Michelin star chefs or award-winning this, award-winning that, they're just humans, just like the rest of us that have to process emotion, that have responsibilities, that have families and, and, and relationships and whatnot. So for me, whether it's one-to-one or working with teams, it's just to, again, first understand and get clear on where are you at right now and where are you trying to go? And then let's take a look at optimizing your days, your routine, your rituals slowly so we can get you there in a very intentional way. Right. So that you're not leaving the day and your, you know, the, the, the life that you're designing to chance that you're, you're in the driver's seat of this. And it's the same thing when it comes to businesses and brands, you know, it's, it's funny because on a personal side, many of us don't do this, but if you're working on a big brand, there's always a plan, right? It's like we're here. And by the end of the year, we want to be here financially or brand awareness, or we want these things to happen. You fill in the gap to get to that place, right? And so it's no different when it comes to our lives, whether it's health objectives, financial objectives, spirituality, like just first, just getting clear. And, and for me, it's to, to surface the right question most importantly linked to the narrative that I know will resonate with either that team or that individual. Because it comes right back to, again, the, the timing and relevance of a question. If it, if it doesn't land, if the narrative isn't there, the story doesn't land with that person, then it's, it, they don't hear it, right? So it's, it's kind of useless. And it's selfishly, that's why I continue my own podcast and why I'm interviewing so many different types of people because they're just more stories for me. Like, oh, this person's going to resonate with the designer. And here's a story I can bring in. And then all of a sudden it's relatable and it's practical. Yeah. Your podcast, I love. It's really an extension of your book where you're you're profiling people that you have in your book. You're getting to know them on a more intimate level, I feel like, on the podcast because it's like a conversation. Uh, but the essence of the of trying to get to understand that how they approach life and, and what lights them up and, and what really is driving them. I think that those are just such helpful things to know and to not keep people on a pedestal, like to really understand yeah. who they are as everyday people. Um, I think that, you know, when I think about, I guess questions, but also just how we kind of design our lives. I'm always thinking about, you know, my former background was in marketing and I worked for corporations. And when we were looking at a year ahead, it was like, what's the North star? What's the the theme? Yeah. What's the, um, you know, main kind of mantra for the year. And then everything we do ladders up to that. And so I've tried to take some of that, even though I really, um, like to flow into life more than when I, when I worked in marketing, I, I do think that there's something to be said about having that strategy and that structure, the framework in place where you can have that check-in with yourself where you're like, but did that actually get me towards this overall feeling that I want for my life? And I, I know you, yeah. you talk about that in your book, like what's the, the yearly overall vibe or feeling that I want to take yeah. away. And, and every day you have an opportunity to ask yourself, how did I, what were the things I did today that were in line with that? And what were the things that maybe weren't? And that doesn't mean you did something wrong, but just to be uh, mindful. Totally. But even just taking the time, whether it's at the end of the year or whether you do it right now, because I mean, we, we, we put these timelines on like New Year's or things like that, or end of calendar year, which is helpful because I mean, the, the majority of the world slows down. So it just makes it a little bit easier, but you, you don't have to wait until those moments, right? So like you can do this right now, you make your own timeline. It's going to be the balance of the year. I want to feel like this. This is the theme for the next three months, right? And just by setting that intention, even if you don't check in with yourself, which obviously I advise that you do and it, it, you'll, you'll get more out of it. But even if you don't, just setting that one word intention or that feeling, you'll be amazed at when you get to the end of those three months, be like, yeah, that actually did materialize. Yes. Right. Because you, you, you set the course, right. And then you, and your mind starts to look for those moments and those opportunities to, to validate 
how you want to feel. And we don't know that's happening, or usually we're not conscious uh, to it, but just try it. I mean, it, it, it works every time. It works every time. The the word that I really had this year was was growth, personal growth, yeah. and 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 really just stepping in and saying yes to things. And so I was actually reflecting on that today, um, as I was getting dressed. Like, what were the things that I've been doing this year that really um, are an example of that? And I can think of like five huge things in my life off the top of my head. And then you can have that moment of like, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Like I'm crushing it. Like it really can help yeah. build your confidence. And so if you're, if you're looking to not only get clarity, but to also build your confidence, it's, it's, it can be such a helpful practice. And, you know, I, I think again, back to the bite-sized chunk thing, it's like, you don't have to even look at the year. You can make it month by month or even week by week. What's my, what's my word this week? And, yeah. you know, we're approaching fall season right now. And I think a lot of people are of the mindset of like, okay, the year's already wrapping up. It's almost the holidays. And so I'll start next year. And it's like, no, like we have like three and a half full mm -hmm. months where you can actually make some impactful changes. Like you don't have to wait. Yeah. Well, and the seasons are perfect actually to, to yeah. link with reflection, right? Cause you, 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 let's take the, probably the hardest one. I mean, I'm tuning in here from Canada. So our winters are a bit chillier than yours. Um, Say the but, least I'm in LA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, being someone that loves a snowboard, it's uh, I'll take it, but still winter's usually seen as like things are dying. It's cold. It's, you know, not the greatest weather, but that's a, an opportunity for us to start asking some questions like what in me needs to die so that I can regrow and, you know, be reborn for spring and summer so I can thrive and just know that like when you tap into some of the biggest things of all nature and this beautiful cycle of life that, you know, you need all of those cycles just like we do. And there's something freeing or uh, comforting to know that, you know, a forest goes through a certain pattern to be beautiful when we see it in like blooming seasons and whatnot, but it, it, that doesn't happen without the winter and so forth. So again, like just, uh, you know, I should have had a chapter in the book on just mother nature. So it would have been a great parallel to just take a look at like, no matter what season you're going into, just like with astrology, leverage those narratives and leverage what's happening to reflect back and, and, and use it as a moment of growth and, and, and these check-ins and so forth. And it's just like, it's, it just continues. Right. So it's a beautiful thing. That's so powerful and such a helpful way to think about it. Cause that's exactly mimics the way we can start framing some of these initial questions. And as we're approaching fall, like the leaves are changing, things are getting more cold. It's like, what is, is seeking renewal in my life? What is seeking to kind of yeah. fall off and, and start, you know, cocooning inward so that I can make some growth and, and big changes around it. So totally. I, I think that's really cool. If you can leave, um, my listeners, those were already so juicy, but a couple more really helpful questions that you might recommend people that come up again and again in your work that people might be able to noodle on and take away today, what would maybe the top three questions be? Well, the big one, um, and the one that I always default to, because this is the one that paused and pulled me out of a, out of a depression. And, and it was just like, what do I want for my life? And that question, no matter where you're at on your path, whether you, you know, you have a clear path already identified just serves as a nice pause and check in to see, okay, well, am I still on, am I still doing the things or, and, and showing up in a way that supports what I do want for my life? So that's always a good, you know, clarif uh, clarifying seeking type question. Um, and then this is a bit of a harder one, but you know, what am I pretending not to know is a prompt Ooh. that comes up often. Um, that I, a, I go back that's to. That's a good one. It's like calling yourself out on your BS. Yeah. And and why I like that question is because we all have something. We can all answer that in some capacity. And it's usually the thing that we're doing the most and spending the most mental real estate and capacity to avoid. So if we could just go there and nail that one, it's just, it, it frees things up. 
you know, all of a sudden we have this whole other compartment in our mind to just, you know, direct energy and attention and space towards where we're trying to go. So that's I'm one literally that I, getting I uncomfortable as you ask that question. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to <laughs> journal on that one. There is definitely something there. And I can think what comes off to the top of my head. So that's a good one. It's a good one. Which is, which is a perfect segue to <laughs> always closing to what can I celebrate about life right now? Love that. Right. Ending you'll go through it in, that. in gratitude yeah. and appreciation. Oh, that's, yeah. that's beautiful, Mark. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I was so excited and delighted to interview you today. Where can people find you, learn more about you, get the copy of your book, hear more about the fabulous people that you profile on your podcast, direct us to all your goods. Thanks, Tiffany. And I hope I, I hope I brought you up from seven. Uh, I know I'm higher than a seven. Oh, right yeah. Now, so we thank should check you. In. We should check in. I'm definitely at the eight and a half level. Yes, Woo! it worked. Success. Amazing. And I was visualizing that it would. So bringing that visualization full circle, it's the power of that. Amazing. Very well, cool. I feel really connected and, and, and thank you. Thank you for your energy and great questions. Um, and if people want more, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. You can find me at behindthehuman.com, which is also the, uh, the name of the show, the podcast and all my details, of the book, the, uh, limited series as well. I do a lot of those on the show with different uh, brands and, and collaborations all through all linked to mental fitness in some capacity, of course, but everything we found there. So behind the human.com. Fabulous. Everyone yeah. check him out. So good. Thank you again, Mark, for coming Thank on. Thank you.